morning, everyone. Uh, the first reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 12, verse 25 through to chapter 13, verse 3, uh, and then followed immediately by the second reading, which is again from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 16, verse 6 through to 10. So Acts chapter 12, Barnabas and Saul sent off. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Acts chapter 16, Paul's vision of the man of Macedonia. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. My name is James Bright. I've been part of SML for about 19 years. Some of you will know me over that time. Others might be seeing me for the first time. Um, so um, it's been a great pleasure to come and be able to speak to you this morning. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, we just have a strong sense that you have a presence amongst us this morning. Um, maybe through the conversations that we've had or the worship that we've been involved in or the prayers that we've been making, we just know that you're present and we want to invite you to touch our lives in a significant way. We thank you that you're a God that brings about change in our lives. You're a transforming God. And uh, for some of us, that will be a very positive thing and for some of us, we'll be perhaps nervous about change. But we do invite you, Spirit, to be close to us and to speak into our minds and hearts at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been following a relatively short series about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And in order to remind ourselves of some truth and to open ourselves up to perhaps new truth, we've been looking at some passages from the book of Acts and um, we've been seeing what that has to say about the Holy Spirit and um, how the Holy Spirit touches our lives. This week is entitled The Holy Spirit and Imagination. So um, that's a word that will be used several times during um, this talk. The first slide, please. This, this has been um, an extraordinary week. Um, in so many different ways, but one of the ways has been the images that we have seen for the first time 
from NASA's uh, James Webb telescope. And uh, many of us will have seen those perhaps on television, and they're like extraordinary works of art. We've seen things that we couldn't imagine. Looking out at those universes and looking out at creation in a way that we've never been able to before. Last week, we couldn't have imagined that. And now we've seen it and experienced it. When you think about your life, what do you imagine for your future? And as we reflect on that question, um, I'd like to look at Ephesians 3 verse 20. And it says there, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his, his power that is at work within us. So that's um, the promise that we're, we're given through scripture. And just as many of us have some ideas about our future, it's important for us to remember that God imagines a future for us. So God imagines a future for each one of our lives. And it's a future beyond our imaginings. Um, it's a future that is not going to be reliant on our skills and abilities to achieve. It says that it's according to his power that it's at work within us. So it's God's abilities that are going to create that future that he imagines for us. It's the Holy Spirit's work that is going to allow us to access that future. And this God-shaped future is linked to our ability to discern and align ourselves with the Holy Spirit. That's what we want God to be able to do in our lives, to give us that ability to discern when it is God who is speaking into our lives, to give us the ability to know when we are fully aligned with what his plans are for us. And that's um, what God purposes for us. And in these passages, these two short passages we've looked at this morning, there are some important clues about stepping into that future. So if we could have the next slide, please. And I'm going to be talking about truth and insight. So at the end of Acts chapter 12, we're told that Barnabas and Saul and Mark had just finished um, their latest mission visit to Jerusalem and had returned to Antioch. Antioch is some 300 miles north of Jerusalem, quite a long journey that they've made, um, in modern-day Turkey. Um, and at the, one of the things that's important and special about Antioch is it, it's a meeting of roads. It's a meeting of many different roads, so it's a place of choice, and wide range of choices exist. And some of us this morning might be in an Antioch place. In our lives, it might look like we've got a few different choices that we need to consider. Um, and we might be reflecting even this morning, even through listening um, to our worship experience and to what's being said now. You know, God, what are you asking? God, what do you require? God, how are you directing us? Um, we might have got to the point, based on human reasoning, we can see that several of the options look good to us. 
That's frequently the case. It's not just one option's good and the rest are terrible. It might be that several options look really good. We might even be able to um, put a case for why any of the options, any of the choices that we have, um, do well in terms of serving God. So sometimes it can be a little bit tricky. And as we read the words from Acts, we gain an insight into how the early church and the leaders work out the next step of their faith journey. So if you're at a place where you're saying, I'm journeying with God, I'm moving forward in my faith, but sometimes um, I'm uncertain as to uh, the choices and the decisions that are in front of me, then maybe God has something to say to you this morning. So when we are journeying into the future, there may be many inputs that are valuable to us. And in these uh, chapter 13 of Acts, two of these valuable inputs are identified. And the first um, input is, is truth. So one of the ways in which we can access spiritual truth is through godly teachers. And we are told that such people were present in Antioch. Um, Acts 13 verse 1 and, and truth is like gold in our lives truth can be the most valuable thing that we can possess as believers and truth gold rises in this truth um, which is gold in our lives rises in value at those points where we need to make a decision it's especially important that we access truth and make some really good choices. Um, and to make sp spiritual choices, we need to have a sound knowledge about what God is like and what his priorities are. Um, the godly decisions that God wants to lead us into will be those that we could imagine Jesus would make if he was faced with the same choices and circumstances as us. So we can test our choices against godly values. Godly decisions will always be aligned with godly values. So the more we know about godly values, the more we'll be able to test some of the choices in front of us. Next slide, please. So a builder uses a, a spirit level and a, a plumb bob uh, to check the alignment of their work. And, and these are simple tools, you know. Um, the spirit level is simply uh, a tube containing water with an air bubble in it. Um, and the plumb bob is just a string with a weight on the end. But actually, those simple t tools tell the builder precisely the adjustments he needs to make um, to make each part of the building level and true. So in some ways, um, what we need as believers is a spiritual level and plumb bob. And can we imagine what a spiritual level and plumb bob might look like? Well, one straight edge against which we can test our decisions comes from the answers to a few questions, just three questions. How does the choice that I'm going to make express my love for God? How does the choice I'm going to make show love for others that I live amongst? 
or that will be impacted by the decision that I'm going to make? How will the choice I'm going to make, how will I, f I feel about myself, will it help me to feel good if I make that choice, standing before God? Those were the things that Jesus said matter most in this world. So amongst all of the things that are influencing us, the answers to those three questions are particularly helpful in terms of um, making a, a good decision. Could I have the next slide, please? And, and whilst the spirit level and the plumb bob are essential for the quality of a building, a, a master and an architect are required to inform what is built. And in the context of this exploration this morning, um, that point could be captured as moving from good decisions to godly decisions. Moving from good to godly. Now, what is godly will be good, but what is good is not always godly. And that's a real challenge. We need to, to move beyond truth and um, we need godly insight. And in part that comes through prophetic ministry and again in Acts chapter 13, they identify that prophetic ministry um, exists amongst the group. And insight always needs to be present when believers gather. It adds value to the gathering. And when I use the word insight, um, I could use the word prophetic ministry always needs to be present when believers get together. Because it's the same thing. It's a central part of effective Christian service and ministry. It's not responding to our cleverness but responding to God's direction, insight, and that pr prophetic um, direction that he wants us to have in our life. A good choice holds up when tested against values. Um, a godly choice is one that is aligned with what God has in mind in a particular situation, in a particular circumstance, at a particular time. And um, to know the situation and circumstance and timing and godly response we need to have the Holy Spirit and that ability to discern the Holy Spirit, to hear the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives um, my next heading is, is granularity or nitty gritty <laughs> because with some big decisions as Christians we go to all kinds of steps to making sure that we make a good decision but a lot of our decisions are every day. And so um, in terms of making everyday decisions, how, how do we try and get more of those right? And even with the gifts of truth and insight, we still don't always get it right. If we take these two passages before us today, then um, Paul, Barnabas, excellent leadership team in the Antioch church, there were two decisions that they were going to make where the Spirit had to stop them. So we need to always be open and make sure that our good ideas are sieved 
and, and tested against the Spirit's direction. So um, in these passages, we have three instances where the Holy Spirit is mentioned as directing our lives, and we have a further instance of a vision being received, and we can see clearly that that vision contains a message that um, comes from the Spirit. So here are the examples. In Acts 13, verse 2, it says, the, the Holy Spirit said. In Acts 16, verse 6, it said, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching. In, in um, Acts 16, verse 7, but the Spirit of Jesus, which is actually just another way of expressing the Holy Spirit, um, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And then uh, the fourth example is in Acts 16, verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision. Now, with regard to, to those verses, my first reaction um, is that the plans that the Holy Spirit disrupted, the plans that were disrupted by the Holy Spirit, were, were good and value-driven. You know, It was about taking God's message to new towns, and who, who could argue that that is a, isn't a good thing? So sharing the good news with new towns. But they, they, were, they were good things, but they were not godly things. They were not aligned with what God was looking to do at that time. My next observation about those verses is that the writer does not describe in any detail how the Holy Spirit communicated with believers. Now, sometimes when you read your Bible, you need to read, very obviously, very carefully what it does say, but you also have to consider what it doesn't say. So, do we think the writer of the book of Acts wasn't capable of describing in some detail how the Holy Spirit spoke into the lives of these people and these important occasions? Of course, the writer could have done that, but it seems to me that the writer didn't want to make it a narrow, exclusive thing. The, the writer wanted us to have a broader understanding of the different ways in which the Holy Spirit can speak into people's lives. And what about the example of the vision? How did the believers recognize be, beyond um, uh, its, sig its significance beyond some strange um, imagining, that that vision was particularly significant. Um, I'm sure they, they might have said, what has Paul been eating for supper? You know, are we really going to direct um, our plans based on, on this vision? And somehow or another, they were able to discern that this wasn't a vision of a human being, but it was an inspired vision coming from the Holy Spirit. Um, we have a history of Holy Spirit activity in the life of churches, um, sometimes expressed through churches, sometimes expressed through individuals, um, where a very narrow way on how the Spirit works in the lives of believers is prescribed. And I believe that is less than helpful. We need to let the Holy Spirit be a free spirit and be free to speak to us in a, in a range of different ways. 
from these scriptures and from similar passages, we are meant to understand the Holy Spirit is capable of communicating in different ways. And some communications will be direction about what we should do, and some communications will be to stop us from choosing a pathway that is not aligned with what God's will is at that time. When I look at this passage, I think, you know, Paul and his team, I think they were pretty capable people. I think they were very capable of developing their own plans for growing a church. I think they could have produced an excellent church growth strategy. I think it could be accompanied by key principles and a delivery plan. I think it would have been excellent. But the problem with this approach is that the godly is replaced by the human. The heavenly is replaced by the earthly. The the power of the Holy Spirit is replaced by human ideas and resources. The immeasurable and unimaginable is replaced by the ordinary. So let's continue to look for more clues. Next slide, please. So how can we follow a pathway that is godly, Holy Spirit-directed, heavenly, immeasurable? So um, I've labelled this, be prepared to give your best for the kingdom, and I'm going to use a football analogy, and I might need to ask for forgiveness from some people using that kind of analogy, but I'm going to stick with it. For, For the record, I confess to being a Villa fan for the past 59 years. Uh, And a feature of professional football is that twice a year there is a transfer window. And these are times in which your team gets the opportunity to sign some new players. And conversely, transfer windows are also the time when your favourite players might leave to play for another team. And your inclination as a fan is to want the best for your team and even hope that Um, your close rivals become weaker over that period of time. So transfer windows are a time of change, a time of choice, a time of decisions. And um, times of choice and times of decision can feel like they're full of jeopardy. So using the transfer um, window analogy, um, what if a new player can't settle in a new town? What if a new player can't gel with, the t- with his teammates? What if a player is coming from a different league and can't deal with the demands of the Premier League? What if they c- can't cope with the language barrier? What if the transfer becomes a, a, a situation where the team lose confidence in the owner's ambition and his vision for the club? So a lot of things can become complicated around periods of change. I think that's true, actually, in individual life and in church life. Change can be complicated. I think we can come to church and we can have a me and my team mentality. I love SML. I love the way it's led by Andy and Fee. That's really precious to me. I love... Um, the people I can fellowship closely with in SML. That's important. 
I like the ministries that I'm able to exercise in this setting. I like the broad range of ministries that SML is involved in. And if we're not careful, because we're holding on to those things that are good and important to us, then we are reluctant to tackle godly change. We want everything to remain the same. But that's not a kingdom perspective. God, God wants us to have a bigger outlook than that, not just think about me and the, the things that matter most to me. Um, so let me ask you to use your imagination. Can you imagine having Paul and Barnabas as part of our local leadership team? With all respect to Andy and Fee, it would be great to have Paul and Barnabas as an addition. Um, it was very exciting, I'm sure. Um, I would be very proud to be associated with a church where Paul and Barnabas were part of the leadership. Whenever I would meet my friends from other churches, I would take the very first opportunity to say, did you know Paul and Barnabas are part of our team? But in Acts 13, we are told the church in Antioch recognized that Paul and Barnabas didn't belong to the church in Antioch, but it belonged to God to serve the kingdom as God chooses. So my point is that holding on to things tightly, even things that are good and important and precious things, can distract us from a wider spiritual outlook. So the church in Antioch didn't try and hold on to Paul and Barnabas or make it difficult for them to go, but rather the reverse. It blessed them and prayed for them and sent them. So we need to remember it is easier to follow God closely if we hold on to things lightly. So God might be saying to some of us this morning, you're holding on to some things too tightly and that is preventing you from following me closely. Now some activities help us to hear the Holy Spirit. We should um, recognise that from these passages. So the Holy Spirit's presence in these Antioch days is linked to some spiritual disciplines, specifically worshipping, praying, and fasting. So worshipping, praying, and fasting were all things that helped believers be more open to hear the Holy Spirit. Um, due to the amount of time available, I'm going to deal with these things briefly, but don't underestimate their importance, and I would encourage you, all of us, actually, to try and find some time this week to reflect on um, how praying and worshipping and fasting um, need to have importance in our lives in terms of communicating, the, the Holy Spirit communicating to our lives. So um, what they do, what those three things do, is they increase our spiritual sensitivity and they open up new perspectives and there are often occasions where we need to have a different view of the world um, from a spiritual perspective. Worship helps us in the sense of um, feeling God's presence. 
the words of the songs, words that we've um, sung, sung this morning, remind us of what God is like and how he feels about us, and that's really helpful. So one of the things that worship does is it, it, it softens us. And that makes it easier for God to shape us. You know, if we're living life as a rock, then it's very hard for God to accomplish what he would like to do in our lives. But if we are pliable, if we have soft hearts before God, which worship can help us to do that, then God can shape us. And then we have prayer. And um, amongst other things, prayer allows us to lay things out before God. So in the Bible, we have an example of Isaiah laying things out before God and Nehemiah laying things out before God. And um, I really valued Simon's prayers last week because that was an example of someone laying things out before God. And it's kind of a sieving process. So I don't know whether you ever thought about this, but sometimes we need to pray about praying. And sometimes things are complicated and we might need to pray about praying about praying. And the way that has worked for me is, you know, I will take my current understanding of a situation and I will pray. Often write out a prayer. And then I might have some fasting, I might spend some time in worship, and I might come back. And I might, having reflected on it, ask, how could that prayer be developed? Has God shown me something? Has, has something happened in my heart where I'd want to change that prayer? And then I might come back a third time and change the prayer again. So I'm praying about praying about praying. And what is happening during those prayers is I'm gaining new insight and understanding. Perhaps I'm being reminded of certain truth that is important in that context. And I'm moving closer to God and becoming better aligned with God. Aligned, being aligned with God is an expression I've used so many times this morning, but I think that's really important. So prayer is important, worship's important, and then we have fasting. Um, sometimes we need to break the routine, <laughs> you know? Um, the routine is the problem. The routine sometimes um, it prevents us from having enough time to, to focus more of our attention on God. And so uh, fasting heightens our senses and our awareness of God. Also in a modern life, but perhaps in life throughout the ages, it's ever so easy to become distracted. There's lots of things that will try and pull us in different directions and, and, and distract us from what matters most. So fasting allows us to show God that we're serious about this matter and that we want to spend um, focused time um, reflecting on what his spirit might want to speak into that situation. And we shouldn't think about fasting in just in terms of, of food, although it's often connected with food, but it's, it is a season where we, um, we give up something routine in order to, as I say, have that 
heightened awareness, have that focus of attention, have that seriousness about some of the issues that are touching our lives. And those things are all mentioned in the two passages we had before us. So, just some final comments. There is no doubt that discerning an imaginative and immeasurable journey of faith is challenging. But in those brief passages, we have some important clues about how those, those in the early church achieved that end, became more connected with the Holy Spirit. And I encourage us to take time to contemplate on the Spirit in the areas of truth and insight, the good and godly choices that are before us, that, those areas of worship and prayer and fasting. And the thing that we have to offer at SML is um, there are people this morning from a prayer team, people who have got particular gifts in the area of prayer, who will be happy to pray with you in any aspect of your faith journey. And it might be this morning, as we think about the Holy Spirit, that those prayers might bring truth and insight into the choices you're facing. And you might be able to consider those and it might be helpful in terms of moving forward. So I commend us to take that opportunity um, to invite the Spirit to, not just to think about the work of the Holy Spirit, but to actually look to participate and cooperate with the Holy Spirit this morning, even through that opportunity. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you um, for the experience of the early church and of, of how um, they experienced your presence in a variety of ways. And I pray, Lord, that even through this morning, we will have that strong sense that your spirit has been present and we'll know what your spirit is saying into our lives. Amen.